0: Welcome to More Than Ink.
1: Hey, what happens when a father takes his children out Uh for ice cream and he buys the first one a
2: double scoop, but the rest of them a single? Single scoops? All the rest of them are going to say with one voice? That's that's not not fair. Fair. Yeah.
1: Well, Jesus is going to tell a very similar story today.
2: Yes, and as we look at it, it's going to give us a keen and surprising insight into the kingdom of God. Let's look at it today on on More Than 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 Ink. Well yes indeed, this is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad you're with us again. We have turned the calendar into autumn, as they say. It is October. Yeah, and so, the, <laughs> so the weather's starting to change. It's kind, of, it's kind of nice. Have you noticed that the seasons are just long enough that you get tired of them and say, yeah, I wish I'm looking for a change. And, and then by the that change time comes around. we're
1: always ready for the first signs of the next season. I know. What I notice as a gardener is that the flowers, the the color heightens of flowers yeah, when the yeah, weather
2: yeah. cools down. Yeah, so every time of the year, it's great. I just I get tired of the previous one. I'm ready to go. Ready so to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So anyway, well, yeah. Forget the weather. We're in Matthew, <laughs> <laughs> and we're and we're reading our way through Matthew. We're up to chapter twenty of Matthew, and uh, Jesus has come down from the north in Galilee. He's on his way up to Jerusalem. Not there yet. He's close. He's very close. Uh, but by the time he does get to Jerusalem, that'll be the beginning of the Passion Week, at the end of which he'll be he'll be crucified, and then he'll raise from the dead three days later. So we're right on the edge of getting into Jerusalem, and he's continuing to teach, and uh, and uh, that's what he's doing today as we start into chapter 20. Where did we come from last time? Because it's kind of important, I
1: think. Well, it's really important because Jesus had talked to a rich young man, if you remember back in chapter 19, right, 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 uh, right. who had come to him and said, what must I do to mm-hmm. get into to the kingdom Mm -hmm. right and because as jesus is walking this tremendous kingdom expectation is building yeah right he's becoming known as potentially the son of david and there's a great messianic expectation that he's going to march into jerusalem and establish the kingdom right but he had talked to this young man and eventually essentially told him Uh, You know, give away everything you have and come be with me. Come follow follow me, because that's the only thing you lack, is that love for the Lord your God, because they had talked about the law. So I don't want to review the whole thing. But he has been telling parables about the kingdom, Mm -hmm. and people have identified him all along and with increasing... um, an increasing opportunity as the son of David, right? So, right, and um, we're going to see that um, next week. Actually, is is when that's so since happen again. so since
2: Jesus and all the people that came down from Galilee are they're coming into Jerusalem for for um, for, Pesach, for Passover for Passover, yeah? yeah. So. I, I think they're putting two and two together and saying, you know, the momentum's up there. Jesus is going to walk in and start the kingdom. Here okay. we go. But so. he had
1: just said to them, just at the end of the previous chapter, you know, uh, all things with God, it's impossible. Or with, mm-hmm. uh, with man, is impossible. Mm-hmm. With God, all things are possible. It's impossible for the camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? right Harder right. for a rich man to get into the kingdom than that. And he had just said, and many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Right. Right. So he's setting in their minds that the kingdom is not what they think it is. It's not like the world at all. It'll be
2: something upside down is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And that was what you just read is the last verse of the previous chapter. Right. We just, that's the last verse. So here we are. We turn the page into chapter 20. And, and we're uh, starting
1: into this big old parable.
2: And he, Well, yeah. And I'll, <laughs> I'll add to that too, what you just said. In, in those last breaths of the previous chapter, also Peter piped up and said you know we've left everything behind right,
1: and followed you and
2: then he says so what then will we have and so that's not a bad link into what we're going to look at here what do, what do we get what do we get we've right because we've behind. been with
1: you from the beginning and we've left right. everything and followed you and so that is an interesting element in this parable so what a
2: segue that is into chapter 20 verse 1 so
1: here we go let's do it for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day he And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when Mm. those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, Well these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and
2: the first last. Hey, there's that phrase again. Mm. Yeah, we just read it at the end of the last chapter. So he's saying something very specific about this reversal in yeah. the kingdom. So, you know, we, we look at this whole situation. Let's recap it a little bit. So he... They would always go out into the open square to look for day workers, especially when harvest came, because mm-hmm. when harvest came, time was a big deal. You know, we had to get stuff off off the plants before they got rained on and stuff like that. So so
1: this is a situation
2: that they can all identify. They with. all get this. Yeah, yeah. So there's like this urgent need. So so he goes out there early in the day, presumably around dawn is what that means. So that's like 6 a.m., sort of. And, uh, and he hires someone. And he tells them explicitly what he's going to pay them. He says, mm-hmm. I'm going to pay you a denarius. Now, that's a very fair wage.
1: And they agree. Because,
2: yeah, a denarius is a day's wage. So they're thinking, yep, great, let's go. So they go out to the vineyard and they start working. Then about three hours later, okay, uh, he hires some more, seeing he needs some more people. They're standing idle in the marketplace. Uh, and he says, go into the vineyard and, uh, and, I'll, and the pay, well, whatever's right. I'll give to you but that's interesting so they go out and and then he does this again several times then it goes out around noon and does it again goes it does it around three in the clock in the afternoon does it again each time not telling him what he's going to pay him um, and then finally the 11th hour which is uh, that's, <laughs> at the last minute that's like yeah that's five o'clock you know that's 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 the end of the day so they might work an hour we'll see how that goes so you have all these people working out there, all these people doing the work for this guy, and he's going to pay them. And so when his paymaster uh, gets ready to pay in verse eight, uh, he says, you know, so call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Now that order is very important. Because paying the last guys first is going to make everyone who's been working longer expect something different. That's right. It's different. going to
1: expose their right. expectations. If we'd
2: done it the other way, from the first guy to the last, they wouldn't have seen that. So this is pay them from the last to the first. Well, they
1: probably wouldn't have hung around. They no. would have taken their pay no. and gone. No,
2: that, that's exactly but right. But they're
1: hanging around because, right. I'm, and now we're kind of off the page here. But this is this is what people would do, sure. right? This if you, makes if sense. The last this guys are getting paid what you had agreed to work for. Then you are. Your expectations
2: are fully exposed. So the guys that were hired at five o'clock who probably worked, (laughs) I don't know, maybe an hour. uh, It it says it says uh, he give him a denarius. Well, that's a day's wage for an hour's work. And so as he works his way backward, of course, their expectation is wow right. we're gonna really make out right. like bandits here you okay, know okay so
1: their noses are out of joint
2: yeah because
1: yeah. they expected to get paid more right which we would say is fair right, right right they should be paid more.
2: however he didn't he didn't tell them their hourly wage he first right. guy he just said you know this is what I'm gonna give you so do what
1: I tell you and here's what you'll get
2: yeah that's right but everything inside of us if we're like the listeners to this everything inside of us is saying wait 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 that's not fair that's not fair That that's just not fair and and uh That's not a bad grumble, and that's exactly what we're going to address here. Because in the kingdom of God, fairness is not the issue.
1: Okay. And did you notice the prominence in this parable of the laborers and their wage? Yeah. The laborers and their work. A wage is what you get for work you have done. Right, right. So, you know, perhaps he, because he had spoken to the rich young ruler in the previous chapter about, you know, it's not about what you do. It's about your relationship with me. Right. This is amplifying on that riff a little bit.
2: And deliberately ruffling our feathers because it just seems, it's just not, it's just not fair. It's just not fair.
1: Well, and it's very interesting to me that we can really identify with those guys who expect more because their assumption is what they get paid is based on their work.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But Jesus is telling this parable to tell us something about the kingdom, right? He's already made it pretty clear that in the kingdom, no matter what you do, what you receive is based on his goodness and his grace, not how hard you work or how long you were there. Yes. And that's really what I think is in view here, that it doesn't matter when you came in because it's not dependent on you at all it's not dependent on how much work you do or how long you've been doing it it's dependent on your relationship and your trust in the master
2: yeah yeah and and also you notice the uh, the pay is all the same right the benefit is all the same right. so you could go as far as to say everyone who benefits to enter the kingdom of heaven gets exactly the same benefit no more no less okay. exactly the same
1: well God is a fair pay master yeah. right if you work you will get what the wage is for that work mm-hmm. but getting into the kingdom is not dependent on your
2: work no it's not for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house here we go so we're talking about the kingdom of heaven getting into the kingdom and so it's really it has it has no pay scale to it in terms of how much do i have to work will i get more will i get less
1: so you could say this this story is about the master yeah more, almost more, than it is about the ones he brings in to the kingdom. Yeah, A- yeah. and especially, you know, when we get to verse thirteen, after they've complained, "Well, we've borne the burden of the day, we've done the scorching heat," he replies to one of them, "Friend." I'm doing you no wrong.
2: Right, right.
1: Okay, I want to camp on that word for a minute because it's a very interesting word. Did you look into that?
2: No, I didn't. Okay, so... This is verse 13. This
1: is verse 13. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. So, uh, and I knew this before, but I tracked it down a little bit more. This is not the most common word for friend. The most common word in the New Testament for friend is philos, a friendly, Mm -hmm. somebody who wishes you well, who's your dear friend and companion. Right, right. This is the word hetairos, It also means a friend, a companion, a compatriot, so someone with whom you share Mm -hmm, something. mm -hmm. But it only shows up three times in the New Testament. Now, you can track this down. If you have a a Strong's Concordance, you can look this up, look in the back for the actual Greek word, and then track that down, and Mm -hmm. it'll show you where else it's used. Mm -hmm. So here's a little shortcut for you. It shows up here with the Master talking to those who are complaining that they're not getting paid enough, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it shows up in in a few chapters in Matthew 22 when Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast and he addresses the wedding crashers oh, with yeah. this word. Friend, how did you come in here without clothes, mm-hmm. without the right clothes? And then in Matthew 26, he uses it to address Judas in the garden when Judas comes and says, Hello, friend i identify you by a kiss and jesus Mm -hmm. says friend do what you came to do Mm -hmm. so uh, i'm offering you to consider that those only three times that that shows up here it this is a not a a friend who necessarily wishes you well or is concerned about you yeah there's a little contention this is a this is a friend who's more interested in his own interests Uh and what he can get from you yeah he is a, a real heart companion. Yeah. And I, that's kind of subtle and you you wouldn't find it unless you kind of drilled down into that original Greek word. Yeah. But the fact that it only shows up those 3 times, here with the wedding crashers in chapter 22 and with Judas in chapter 26. Yeah. Matthew is telling us something about this term. Yeah. Friend.
2: Yeah. This isn't the buddy, buddy, barrel hug kind no, of friend. This is
1: somebody who's out yeah. for their own good. Yeah. Because, and actually, Jesus includes that in the parable a little later on when he puts these words in the master's mouth, you know, do you begrudge my generosity, mm-hmm. right? You don't mm-hmm. understand me at all. It's literally, is your eye bad because I'm good, right? This yeah. looks bad to you <laughs> because I'm being generous. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, so. I think we need. You said this in passing, but we need to put this stake in the ground, um, because Jesus even said this. You know, he's not doing anything unjust here, right? You know, he told the guy, "I'd give you a denarius for a day," and he did. And right. He told There's the other. No injustice. Just told all the other guys, "I'll pay what's right," and so. Uh, paying more than a denarius is, is what it feels like for this guy is, is something that he just chooses to do. He chooses to go above and beyond. There's nothing unjust in this. So what we're really haggling about and what he's got his feathers ruffled about is the fact that the master decided to pay a very generous wage. And so does he really have a case to stand on to say, I'm sorry, you can't be more generous. (laughs) <laughs> well, of course not. That's just, that's just goofy. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, if I choose to give the last workers I gave to you, I, I, am I not allowed to choose what belongs to me to, to give generously? Right. I mean, doesn't right. that? So you're challenging my generosity? Right. Yeah. So here's not what they fairness. didn't
1: understand about the kingdom, right? That if this looks bad to you, you don't understand the heart of the king.
2: Yes. Right? Yes. And
1: if you expect a wage for your work, Mm-hmm. God pays in full what he told you he would pay you. Right, right. Right. But the economy of the kingdom depends on the goodness of God. Right. Not on how hard or how long you work. Not on and the, yeah. that's the point of the story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everything that they receive is based on... the the master's generosity generosity. who he is and not what they've done and in a big picture when we talk about grace that's what grace turns the tables on our understanding Mm -hmm. of what we what we get from god because grace has nothing to do with what we deserve it has nothing to do with what we earn or what we what we struggle to earn it has everything to do just with the generosity and the loving kindness of god himself And so when we talk about grace, that is what the kingdom of God, that's what turns the kingdom on its head from our understanding. That's what ruffles our feathers so much. Because you can say, you mean, I get to come into heaven, and I'm a relatively, yeah, I'm a good guy. You know, I do nice things for people from time to time. So that makes sense that I would be into heaven. But what about this murderer that I just read about in the news? And he's going to get to heaven because he makes the same statement of faith and repentance with God? He gets into, I mean, That doesn't sound fair. And when you say that, you gotta be careful because it's not. It's not fair. fair. No, it's grace. It's, <laughs> it's all grace. grace. Yeah. Nobody yeah. gets
1: into heaven. Nobody is saved by the goodness of their works. That is a repeated refrain in the Book right. of Romans and through other parts of the New Testament. But so, so,
2: but some part of us still feels like that we're even more worthy than other people. You know, know. and that's well, what that's what this that's
1: is. here in the story, isn't it? Because the reason that their noses were bent out of shape is because they were looking at each other. And Mm -hmm. not at the master. Right, right. Boy, is that ring true. That's (laughs) when we get fed out of shape, isn't it? We're comparing ourselves with each other. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, and I didn't look this up. I think it's in, I forget what chapter. He says, you know, when you compare yourself with yourselves, Mm -hmm. you are without understanding.
2: Yep, yep and it's this uh the first last last first that's a very comparative kind of thing mm-hmm. you know the first now are the people who are accomplished and have more right. and in a comparative way we look at each other and say well that person's ahead of me probably getting into the kingdom I'm way behind and and what jesus is saying here is that you know all of those comparative measures between you and all the other people who are getting in the kingdom those don't mean anything anymore those don't those don't mean anything if you feel less qualified it, that's irrelevant if they look like they're more qualified fight that's irrelevant those things are irrelevant they are all getting the same thing which is entry into the kingdom and has nothing to do with what they've accomplished now the first you know the the accomplished it has
1: everything to do with how they respond to the master yeah everything it it doesn't matter when yeah right if you lock eyes with the master and he says you come
2: Right, right.
1: You come, no matter what hour. And, you know, when we get much later in the story of of the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. and I forget if it's Matthew that tells that story, that Jesus was crucified with a man on his right and on his left, and Mm -hmm. one of those men came to faith in his kingdom, in king, with his dying breath. yep. And Jesus says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And that's the actual outworking of this parable.
2: Yeah, he's literally one of the 11th hour guys.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) He could not do anything. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He was dying. He'd been crucified. And if you told people, you know, because of what just transacted on the cross between he and Jesus, he's getting in the kingdom. And the very righteous first people like the Pharisees would say, I don't think so. That's not right. That's not right. Well, they don't understand the kingdom. They don't understand the kingdom.
1: So you know, it's no mistake then that it's as Matthew's telling this story, he kind of circles back to what Jesus has said before. Now, when he, are we ready to go on to verse seventeen? Yes. Yeah, because he says, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, remember, Matthew's very deliberate telling us that Jesus is bent on moving toward Jerusalem. They're heading
2: up to Passover, yeah. He took
1: the 12 disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the on the third day wow this is not the first time he had told them this is that.
2: the third time in so, matthew's gospel uh, and most yeah.
1: recently back in chapter 16 right he had said it right as peter was did not was uh identifying him and then mm-hmm. said oh lord mm-hmm. that's never gonna happen to you mm-hmm. right so uh back in chapter 16 21 Uh, Right after that, Jesus says, from that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day.
2: There it is. But here he
1: gives much more detail.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Gentiles, yeah.
1: Well, here he says, I'm going to be delivered over to be mocked and flogged and Mm -hmm. crucified, Mm -hmm. right? I want you, he's rubbing their noses in it. This is going to be ugly. What a very
2: accurate account. It's very accurate. Yeah. It's
1: like they just Did not even hear him.
2: Well, and you would think third time would be a charm, wouldn't you? But (laughs) but when you flip over to Luke's parallel account in Luke 18, uh, he he says it's almost verbatim what you read right here, except at the very end of it, he says, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. So Jesus continues to say this, knowing that maybe later on they'll recall in their mind, you know, we were warned about this. The other thing that Luke adds, which I think is really, really really great it's uh, uh Jesus says we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written mm-hmm. about the son of man by the right. prophets will be accomplished Matthew doesn't mention that but but what he does say in Luke is that you know what what's going to happen next is the is in the prophets you can read about mm-hmm. it and it it dawned on me that this was exactly the same thing that Je- the risen Jesus had the discussion with the guys going back to Emmaus they reviewed these things right right <laughs> so so jesus is not just making this up he's saying this is in the plans and hundreds of years ago this was spoken and written down by the prophets and it, and everything he says in luke 18 everything that's written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished and so here is the purpose of god actually unfolding in front of their eyes so that we're hoping that when they actually get to the crucifixion, instead of them thinking, boy, what a train wreck, what an accident this was. It's not an accident. It was actually predicted hundreds of years before by the prophets.
1: It's true. And actually, you know, that that peg didn't drop in the hole for Peter until after the Holy Spirit came, really, until any of them. That's right. And when he, I'm looking for it now, when he makes one of his famous sermons in Acts, when he says, you know, everything that happened to Jesus, oh, here it is, it's in Act 4. Uh, Acts four yeah, twenty seven. Yeah. Truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you did anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the peoples, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Right.
2: right. So,
1: you know, they, they recognize that, you know, they didn't see it. But after the Spirit came and Jesus said, the Spirit's going to give you remembrance of everything I've said.
2: Yep, yep, and it'll come back to mind. So here Jesus has given them... One last preview of what's going to go on. Mm -hmm. Now, it it said in Mark's gospel, it says even as they're walking all their way toward Jerusalem, uh, they're amazed. Jesus is leading Mm -hmm. the pack. It looks like he's eager to get into Jerusalem, but they're also really afraid. So the storm clouds are coming. They've seen the interactions with the Pharisees. They see the the conflicts that are coming but i don't think they even have the slightest clue how big these conflicts are going to end up rising to
1: or what kind of conflicts they're going to be yeah
2: so here they're not you know i'm wondering if they, as they're listening to jesus are they thinking this is all just kind of symbolic or not literal because as we read this passage right here we realize this is literal this is like this is history being written right, a week right. before it happens and so were they just thinking i don't know is he is this symbolic in some kind of way? You know, I don't know. I don't know, but it will come back to mind and they will realize that Jesus had warned them about this, but they do know they have this sense, this intuition that they're walking into danger Mm because they were afraid as they're going this last 20 miles from Jericho up to Jerusalem, something's up. However, in the same, in the same voice, they're, expecting something great happening because here we are coming into Jerusalem. Everyone's coming into Jerusalem for for the Passover. I mean, this is a big deal. A big deal is going to happen. But they're kind of on edge. And Jesus says, well, it's going to be bad. (laughs) And Luke says, you know, they didn't grasp what was said. They just didn't grasp it. Yeah, took them by surprise, even still.
1: Well, and they still, as we're going to see in the next chapter, they still didn't grasp the upside downness of the kingdom because yeah, they're, right. they're still that's vying right. with each other for a position. They're bent out of shape when somebody stakes a claim to a position <laughs> that's not theirs. We're going to see that next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're still comparing themselves with one another. And so Jesus is going to continue to lean into this. The, the first will be last, and the last so will be first. So they know first. the
2: kingdom is coming. Do you want to be great, you got to be a servant. Yep. They know the kingdom is coming. They're all angling for position. And that's where we go next week. In fact, as we come back here in the middle of, uh, of chapter 20 of Matthew, that's exactly what's going to be going on. They know the king is going to be on the throne, and they, they wonder, you know, who will sit on his right and his left. And so with a little help from Mama Zebedee, <laughs> she she will engage on behalf of her two sons, and uh, and that's just going to wrinkle the nose of so all ahead. the apostles. Yeah, read this ahead. Is coming read up. To so, the
1: rest of chapter yeah, 20. So
2: join us as we come back. We're going to pick it up at verse 20. And, uh, and we're going to see exactly what's on their mind, even though Jesus says you won't believe the conflict that's coming that he just told them about. So anyway, so I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're so glad you're with us. Yeah, again, read ahead, because, uh, because these, these are the interactions that happen as Jesus is marching his way to the Passion Week. So come back and join us next time on More, more Than, than ink.
0: There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website. MoreThanInc.org And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed More Than Ink. There we go. Okay, here we go. (laughs) This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.